In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who brings us and our death into his life. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, well, this is frightening. Because as I look out across you all gathered together here on a Sunday morning, as I'm looking out at you, what I see is a whole bunch of the undead. Sort of like zombies. At least that's what the Apostle Paul tells us. And so, in order to really kind of understand the sermon, you're going to have to understand that what we're doing is we're going to take what we know of these undead people, and then we're going to apply that to what Paul is saying about us as, well, undead people in Jesus, and then combining those things together so that you get a picture of what it is like to be Christ's undead. And it begins by Paul in this reading in Ephesians saying that you are dead. He says to the Ephesians, you were once dead in your trespasses and in your sins. And then later on he says, but you have been made alive. Which to me, that sounds like you're a zombie. And actually to a whole bunch of other people on the internet. I don't know if you have seen these same things that I have seen, but they accuse Christians of either worshipping a zombie or being zombies themselves. And I have to tell you that, well, maybe they have a little bit of a point. Not in complete, total zombiehood. But in the sense that we are sort of these undead creatures that were dead and have now been reanimated. You see, that's the sense that you have of what a zombie is. Zombie, the the term comes to us from African folk religion that was then transported across the sea by French traders who landed in Haiti, who began this practice of this thing called voodoo. And as voodoo began to develop as a religion, there became this thing that came out of voodoo that was called a zombie, with an N. And this zombie was somebody who had been brought to the brink of death and then somehow reanimated by this sort of witch doctory shaman figure. And that is where our trip into the undead begins, but it certainly isn't the only place that we bump up against the undead in our cultures as human beings. In fact, in Central Europe, there are a bunch of undead creatures that seem to be kind of walking around in their mythologies. People like vampires and mummies and werewolves and all of these stories that people tell. And of course... They're not necessarily true, but they are things that are told in order to make us think about what life really is like. And so as we approach 
our text with Paul here speaking to the Ephesians in chapter 2, we start off with this sense of the undead. And interestingly, one of the things that makes for different undead kind of creatures is the condition of the body before it becomes undead, the condition of the dead body. And so as Paul looks at his Ephesians, at his Ephesians friends, he goes and he looks at them sort of like a coroner. And he goes in our reading and he takes a look at what caused this dead body that lies in front of Paul. And it's the same dead body that lies in front of me when I look out at you. It is this dead body that has been killed by walking in trespasses and sins. It is this dead, dead body that is not necessarily all that necessarily unique even. And in that way, again, it's sort of like being in a zombie movie. If you watch the right zombie movie, like 28 Days, you get this sense where now zombies have moved from being started by witches and shamans. And how they have now, most of the zombies that we run across in popular movies, all of those zombies, they've been started off by diseases, viruses and bacteria that creep into who we are, and then make us crave brain. And usually in those kind of movies, it's just about everybody who is infected. It's like we all wake up one morning, and we take that first breath in the morning, and we go, <gasps> and even before we begin to exhibit the qualities of what a zombie might look like before we start to walk like this, we're infected which is a death sentence to us. Which is the same way that we experience sin in our lives. We experience that mutation of a gene that happened so, so long ago when Adam and Eve sinned against God and not trusting Him and not trusting in who He was for us. We still have that mutation in our bodies. And so every time that one of us is born, we are born with that mutation inherent within us. And our theology goes on to explain that then, after we have that mutation on our bodies, we begin to commit these things that are called actual sins. That's not to say that that original sin that we inherited from Adam and Eve is not a sin, but actual focuses on the fact that it is an action that we are doing. And that is where our individuality really shines forth. That is where we get to look like the dead bodies that we really are. That is where in our, well, heavenly zombie movie, you can tell a little bit about who we are and how we've been created. Isn't that the moment that we all fear so much when we watch those movies is when we see our mother or our father or our loved one who has been turned into a zombie. And that's where we all are, is in this sense of 
being dead and looking around and seeing the dead who are around us. And knowing that everybody in this room together has had that infection deep within them. And that our actual sins, those sins that we commit, those are all expressions of that one evil that has come into our world because of sin. But this is where the plot begins to shift and turn a little bit for us, and especially in our reading today, as Paul says, but God, but God, and then he says some other stuff, and then he says, has made us alive. I love it when God makes us alive, and it makes me think of that moment when Dr. Frankenstein and his monster are there together in the laboratory and the lightning comes down and it hits the monster and all of a sudden he yells, it's alive! Of course, Frankenstein's monster, I don't know how alive really that was. You have to qualify a little bit with Frankenstein's monster. I mean, he was kind of made up of parts that they could find in the graveyard. And then brought to life in a way that almost seemed more like a dare than anything else. And that is kind of the next part in our sense of this monster movie history that helps us to understand the Bible is this sense of, of, well... A part of who you are as a monster really depends upon the reanimator who is bringing you to life. And so in the case of Frankenstein's monster, it's this sort of scientific dare where the Frankenstein's monster is brought to life by the reanimator who is a scientist and a doctor who just wants to prove something. And because of that, then you get the sort of natural outcome of whatever it is. And then in a lot of our vampire movies, also movies about the undead, a lot of times when they are turning someone in a different process, albeit they have this sort of magical quality in their blood, which they give to you, and then all of a sudden you come back alive-ish. And usually, a lot of the reason that they're doing that is for either their own personal gain or because they just want to be loved. And so, you have this, this reanimator that makes a difference. The person who's bringing you back to life makes a difference. And that is the case in Scripture as well. And Paul points that out when he says that the reason that God brought you to life is not because he himself wanted to be loved so badly. He had the Holy Spirit. He had the Son. And they're all in perfect communion together. They don't need your love. Instead, it was because he is a loving and merciful God that he did these things, that he brought you to life. In his son, Jesus Christ. 
that is because of that love and that mercy that he made Jesus Christ to be the and, to be the reanimating agent in your life that brings your death together with his life and creates you. Not an undead person, but a fully alive person. A person who is not bound, but a person who has the ability to say even... I don't want this life. I would rather just be undead. God gives us the ability for that rejection. And that ability for, our, for that rejection simply shows how his love and his mercy is so deeply embedded in how he makes us alive once again. That it is because of grace and it's because of his wanting to gift. And that grace, Paul says, is immeasurable. Which is another difference that we can kind of point out between what normally happens in the monster movie and what happens in the story of our salvation with Jesus. And that is that normally in the monster movie, the monster creator, the reanimator, can only reanimate a certain amount of people. That the reanimator can only bring to life a certain few folks. But that is not the case with God. God can reanimate the entire world. That is what he tells to Nicodemus in John 3, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son to reanimate it, to give it new life and better life. And so you can imagine this God as he comes upon your dead body. And you can imagine him saying these life-giving words, I forgive you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You can imagine this God, this mad scientist, who comes and he does dramatic hand gestures over your body, making the sign of the cross. You can imagine this God as he takes bread and puts it in between your lips and takes wine and pours that into your mouth. And then, all of a sudden, you become alive. And that that life is complete. That life is human. And that life is distinctly different from being dead. Because if you notice, if you look at Ephesians 2, just this section that we've read, it begins and it ends with walking. At the beginning, you're walking around like a zombie. You're walking around in your trespasses and sins. You're walking around and you're kind of hobbling. But at the end, you are walking in good works that have been prepared for you in advance so that you might walk in them as completely alive, completely human, not monstrous. but saved and beautiful and loved. God's workmanship. 
that is what he has created in you. And so maybe standing in front of you isn't so scary after all. Amen.